for, yeah, it's like full gas. It's a lot of like full gas and, and in life in general, um, in life in general, um, I think that, I think that, that for me, that, that feeling is mainly like just feeling like you're awake and alive right when you wake up and, and, and being pretty grateful for that is pretty exciting. And so I feel like it's important to um, take advantage of that on the day to day. Koto. That was Tessa Chessa. I'm Matt Raymond. I'm Eugene Bingham. And this is Dirt Church Radio. Interesting conversations with interesting runners. I love currants. Um, I've been using them a lot and, and running a lot. Uh, and my legs get sore because I'm not that good at running. And... When I take currants, I feel better. I, I have more oomph. I've got more pep in my step. I don't have uh, delayed onset muscle soreness, so you might know that as DOMS. Um, and they're a cool little Kiwi company. Um, if you want to go to Curran's website, which is currents.co.nz, you'll find they have over 30 published studies. Uh, science people doing science things that I don't, I don't know about. I, I just know that it's it's blackberries on the Canterbury Plains, and they're really good for you. And Ruth Croft uses them, and I'm quite fond of Ruth Croft. So you know where she goes, thus I will follow. Sean Collins also, you know Ryan another, Carr. Ryan Carr, he's skiing uphill. What's that about? He's skiing uphill. It's probably currents, and I reject big. Black Current. I reject you, Big Black Current, and we use the little guy. We go with the little guy. Um, they're so confident in their product that if you buy some currants and you don't love it and you don't get the recovery benefits that it says on the packet, they'll give you your money back. And uh, if you use the code DIRTCHURCH at checkout, mm. you're going to get 20% off your first order. So there's no... There's no bad anything about this product. It's it's fantastic. I mean, I haven't even gone like I thought I might go a little bit Veruca Salt, you know, like Violet Beauregard even it might get a bit purple. It hasn't happened no. yet. No chocolate um, factory pro- action. No, nothing. 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 A, a, a more of an Augustus Gloop anyway. But yeah. anyway, currents.co.nz amazing. You looked um, in the forest. In the forest, you had yes. on something special. I did. I you had just, the, you were radiating. I was radiating newness, and I, I, I gave you yours, the Zygos yes. 5. Yeah. Um, it was like the choirs of angels from heaven that just came down and started singing. That was quite amazing little touch. Amazing little touch. And I've got to say, it's a fantastic pack. The, the Zygos 4, also, which is on special at ultraspire.co.nz, is a fantastic pack. Yeah. The, the, the Zygos 5 is a fantastic pack. They've, up, they've upgraded the... Um, the way it attaches to you, it's more breathable, it's stronger, um, I don't know what they're doing with it, it's lighter, uh, it's it's it, carrying heaps, of, you could carry more stuff, so it, it really gets into that whole, we talked about sort of it's that all day pack, but it's sort of all day plus, mm. um, just fantastic, fantastic. All Get your compulsory gear, you can. All, your, mm. all your stuff, and your then phone, some. your keys, yeah. your, and your... Um, 
everything. Your poles, your poles. You know, we live at yeah. sea level, but we still use poles. We do, we do. Just That's from the fine. car park to the gate, it can get quite hectic. Mm. You know, so you've got to have your poles. You never know. You never, no, know. You never know. Yeah, you never know. It's best to carry them. Going to somewhere flat, somewhere that's quite hilly in places, uh, further faster. Otutahi Christchurch, the best independently owned outdoors lit in the known universe. Uh, the Otutahi Urban Adventure Race is coming up on the 10th of September. Emily from Life in Mo- Motion Physio, Matt from Moon Underwater, which is a uh, George Orwell book, and it's a pub, uh, and Jules from Further F- Faster are doing it as a fundraiser for Maya Health Foundation, which is Kids Mental Health here in there in Christchurch, and they really want it to sell out. Urban anything is cool. Urban adventure racing is cool. If you go to furtherfaster.co.nz and search Otutahi Urban Adventure Race for more details, September 10th, coming up quick. Amazing. Amazing. And it goes something like further, faster, there in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go to further, faster now. Go further, faster, there in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go to further, faster now. Dirt Church Radio. Episode 206 of the Dirt Church Radio We podcast. made it. We did. We did. We we very much made it, and boy, it just seems like this year keeps giving and giving, and I, for one, sir, am ready for spring and daylight saving time to kick in. Kind of already and feels a little bit springish in the old Tamaki Mikado, and it is getting lighter. I will say mm. that. The other day I left work, and I was like, oh, wow, sunshine. I haven't seen that when I'm leaving work for a while. But um, hmm. anyway, still rainy. Big rain still- clouds this week. Big rain clouds. Hanging near West Coasters. Yep. Yeah. Um, Dougal Allen, he hangs in there. Yeah, what a great conversation last week. Dougal Allen, uh, endurance coach, elite athlete, coast-to-coast winner, Ironman. God, he's adventure racing. Mm. Um, Stringer of Chili's. Stringer of Chili's. And he's just done so much. And it was a really thoughtful conversation with just a lot of, of... of gems, they were yeah. they were gems, they and were. I enjoyed the I enjoy the different um, sort of cadence and meter and timbre of people, and and he was a he was a thoughtful dude. It was it, it made for great listening. Yeah, I mean, he's someone that I've sort of you know obviously um, admired his work for many many years, and it was good to get uh, some some insights really, some hear mm. some of his philosophies and he had like basically a down to earth he was as well it absolutely was really nice to hear yeah hey this week we've been we tessa chessa we had a couple of false starts with her um where she was tied up and stuff but great to get her on the show yeah yeah so it, it so it started uh prior to western states um that she was she was lining up at Western State, she'd won an entry uh, via a an amazing uh, run at the Javelina Yundred. Is it Yundred? Hundred? Javelina Hundred? Javelina Yundred? Javelina Yundred. Javelina Yundred. Anyway, that race in the States that Avapira running <laughs> put on. Um, lives in Colorado, but previously from Flagstaff, Arizona, and Mammoth Lakes, California, and has been tooling around in a 2015 Dodge Promaster van. Um, 
Yeah, so she placed top 10 at Canyon's 100K and took out third at the Havelina 100 mile to earn a golden ticket into the 2022 Western States. But when it came to the big dance, she was injured uh, and she towed the line anyway. And she talks all about this injury, the pressure, um, and van life and her chocolate Labrador sugar velour and has some incredible wildlife tales to tell and uh, just a fantastic outlook on life, I think. This is a this is one that, you know, this is an inspo. Oh, not inspo. It's, it's inspirational it, and it is fantastic. So, yeah, great conversation. For sure. Right, let's get into it. Did you see that Dean Carnassus got attacked by a coyote? Well, there is actually debate as to whether he was attacked. Sounds like the coyote ratted him. Um, and there was, a, there was an altercation anyway. He was pretty messed up. I, I didn't see it. I, I've, been, I've been a little bit busy. But, but what, what happened? I mean, how? I guess if a coyote runs at you, is that mm. an attack? Does it have to bite into you or did it knock yeah. him down? Yeah, it knocked him down. He was pretty bloodied up. What was, that, what was the mm. circumstances? He was out for a trail run, 115-mile trail run, as you do. Not mm. sure if pizza was involved. And next thing, you know, there's a coyote right in his face. Um, so, yeah, he, he, he was all bloodied up and he, he posted uh, saying he'd been attacked by a coyote. Some people were saying, well, is it a, I'm not sure it would be an attack if you describe it as an attack. But anyway, left him pretty pretty messy. Oh, with the, did the, with the, with the spl- with the splitting hairs brigade getting into it like, yeah. no, no, you were just knocked. That's right. You were just knocked to the ground by a wild dog. Yeah. That's um, right. But you weren't attacked. You were more sort of. Exactly. Was it going for your wallet or something? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it was a drive-by. Uh, anyway, um, you know, wait till he comes across a pukeko. Uh, Xterra Waiuku was on at the weekend. Another huge, huge turnout. Uh, which was great. How many more of the series to go? Is a couple. Is yeah. a couple. The Riverhead's mm. not done yet, and then yeah. I think they they've done Hanua. Mm. So maybe two more. Yeah. Anyway, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, and across the across the Tassie, another last person standing event. Yeah, the Clint Eastwood in Queensland over the weekend. Adam Keane gave it a crack with twenty six laps, probably freshening up for the. Uh, Bigs um, satellite race in October, but the winner was Ryan Crawford with 59 laps, 395.6 kilometers. He and Kevin Miller were slugging it out before Kevin opted not to go out on the 59th lap. My goodness mm. me, what a... That's incredible. Yeah, it looked like it had fairly smooth terrain. I might be doing it in... Um, um, Injustice there, but certainly not much elevation. So they just, yeah, they went went deep. Good mm. work, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, certainly, there was a bit of elevation at uh, at CSNL in Europe. Apparently, they've got mountains in Switzerland. Who knew? Yeah, but um, yeah, CSNL halfway point of the World Mountain Running Association World Cup and the fourth of the Golden Trails World Series. Um, you know, it's a Dates back to 1974, 31Ks with uh, 2,000 metres of vert, I think. Anyway, it was interesting this year that two Kenyans took out the win, Esther Chesang and Mark Kangogo, which is awesome. Yeah, not often you see um, 
Kenyan runners in the trail running. Well, I mean, they've been running in that series, but to, to both come out with the W mm. this time around is fantastic. And just a quick note too, that, that Kiwi champ, Caitlin Fielder, um, she set out that race, but she's been absolutely flying in Europe and in the Golden Trail series um, as of late. Uh, she got sixth last week in a really tough race in Norway. Um, and she's generally been bossing it like she does. Fantastic. I just got to have one little plug. Can I plug my own race? And yeah. the stuff you should know, so stuff you should know, it's the ninth running of the Hallatau Riverhead Rampage, September 17th, Saturday, come out to Barlow Road and Riverhead. Uh, Scotty and I were out on the weekend mapping the 21 and 42K. Scotty Hawker? No, not Scotty Hawker. Scotty Jesus. Scotty Bowden, uh of our uh, Riverhead Rampage crew and actually lining up, putting on the New Zealand jersey for the um, the bigs yeah. as well. Um, fantastic. Fantastic course, so please come out. You know, support. Uh, it's a it's a not for profit charity, and all profits go to Riverhead Schools. So, yeah, go to and a thon this year as well. Yeah, marathon. I've just termed that phrase. There we go. Not a mara. It's a thon. It's a thon. Anyway, yeah. If you go to is that is that a two lapper or is it? It is going to um, be going to be a separate course. It is going to be two lap. So it's going right. to but it's it, it'll have some twists in the tail. So it'll be fantastic. Ooh, yeah. Are you hiding something? Mm. I'm hiding a lot of things, Eugene, but uh, well, it'll, it'll it'll yet to be seen if I'm hiding stuff about the race. So, anyway, cryptic, cryptic. Wow. Uh, what date is that? September seventeenth. Cool. Yeah. Um, Naseby is coming up in the next week or two as well, mm. and of course UTMB. Looking forward to that. Mm. It's going to be a showdown. That- I think it's two weeks away. Yeah. A lot of people heading into that. A lot of very excited people. Right. Yeah. It's time to keep the winning continuing. It's time to do the draw for our Wild Auckland Trail Run Walk Series, which starts on the 25th of August and continues to the finale on the 27th of November, which includes a 50-kilometer ultra, a half Hillary starting at Huia and finishing at Piha after a tour of Whatapu, Karikari, Piha, and Anafata. So... We had two series entries to give away. Um, you get to choose the distance in this year's events. They're at Tafaranui, Tapapakanga, Tiarai, and Piha, which is the one that will include the ultramarathon. Um, and we asked you to post up on our social media, you know, like and follow and tell us, you know, the wildest place or, or your favorite wild adventure place to run. So please hit the random Google number generator, sir. Right. Yeah, I will do. Okay, what do we need? Two of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the first one. And here's the second one. Can you see those? I can. Clear Grace. Put them in the show notes. Yes. And Edward Crawford, Eddie Crawford. So well done to you both. Whoop, whoop. You've both won. And what's more, series you get to hear this. Cole, brought to you by Andrew McDowell. There you go. Um, don't forget too the uh, while we're talking lactic turkey stuff, the junior trail running camp being put on by those folks, second to the fourth of September. Um, if you want to know some more details, you can have a look at their site, and we've got the link in the show notes, um, or email Sean at lacticturkey.co.nz with your details. It's aimed at thirteen to eighteen-ish year olds. Yeah. So cool. Greatest, greatest run, run ever. ever. Greatest run ever.
Greatest Run Ever, which is the part of the show where we ask you to write into us and tell us your greatest run ever. It doesn't have to be a race or a mountain summit. It might just be a run around the block, something that's sung to you for some reason. Please send it in to us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. And this is from Josh. This is a shout out to those random runs where for no particular reason, everything just seems to go right. Those rare runs where your legs don't hurt, the pace feels easy, the wind in your hair becomes extra exhilarating and you feel like you could run all night. This run took place on an uneventful weeknight in a bustling metropolis of Timaru, where I happened to be living when I was 24. Timaru and metropolis, those are two words I have never heard in a sentence. (laughs) However, probably never uttered. No. The punishing backstory is I'd picked up a recreational running habit in my early teens after being introduced to the Gateway book Into the Wild. I joined the notorious New Plymouth Boys High School cross-country team where I grew from the camaraderie in my formative years. The team mantra of no excuses will be forever branded in my psyche to push me in the gritty parts of any race. Moreover, I just enjoyed the simple wind in the hair, freedom of running, and the nirvana of those rare runs that just go perfectly. He's mentioned wind in the hair twice. I, I'm, I'd like to see mm. a photo, but he's quite her suit. I loved running. I'm, I'm picking mullet. Well, they do say that imitation is the greatest form of flattery. But anyway, back to the story. I love running, but unfortunately, the Gervin running jeans, as I'm sure my brother Matt would agree, were less like a comfy pair of Levi's and more like a tattered pair of jorts. While I grew through my high school years, my list of injuries grew faster. Between the ages of 18 and 26, I more or less abandoned running, aside from the occasional attempted comeback, which always hurt and never lasted. Instead, I redirected my energy towards the sports of hiking, rock climbing, skiing, and binge drinking. However, no matter how much I enjoyed those alternatives, the thought always remained in the back of my mind, this elusive, seemingly deluded goal to one day somehow run pain-free. So this brings me to the random night in Timavegas. Again, it's never been uttered. Uh, During a period where pain-free running was just a pipe dream. But for some reason on this run, I didn't have to stop 10 minutes in to stretch out my calf muscles. I didn't get the familiar tension in my mid-spine that would normally restrict my breathing to 80%. My IT band and glute didn't try to cramp up on me. I ran a shorter loop up the river trail and the golden hour happened to be extra pretty that night. The air felt fresher, the grass looked greener, the crunch of gravel under my feet sounding more delicious, all as though the serenity in my legs freed me to be more sensitive to the world around me. I realised that without trying, I completed the short loop in my fastest time yet, and I still felt like a hundred bucks, so I continued to run my longer loop as well. I turned off the river and charged along the coastal cliff trail in pure ecstasy. I ran like a transcended being. I went yahooing like a zealot into the blustery wind while the sun set over the Pacific. My legs and lungs burned, but it felt so good. I was alive. I got back to my flat to chug some water, have a snack, and grab my head torch while my flatmates wondered what the hell I was up to. I went out and ran my short loop again to round out what was at the time my longest run ever. Every runner knows these miracle runs are rare and often unpredictable, but are what make life worth the living. This one was good enough for me to feed off for a few years until I grew out of some of the injuries and learned how to train smarter. These days running is once again the backbone of my life that keeps my mental well-being steady and my endorphins supplied. My greatest run ever so far. Wow. Yeah, this is... Thank you, Josh. Yeah, Josh Gervin, who's Matt Gervin's coach yeah. uh, and younger brother, and actually was the winner of one of our Tarawita entries and yes. has the um, the dubious honor of going into one of the cup-free exterior races recently with his uh, bring-your-own-cup-of-choice was a kitchen mug. So he ran As you do. the race with a kitchen mug. Yeah. 
And, and, turns out, Team Meadows' very uh, best advocate. You know, mm. two shout-outs for the, for the greatest city. Yeah, he's got his, right in got his work cut out for him. Anyway, on with our conversation, Tessa Chessa. This is, this is brilliant, and it took a while to tee up, and it took a while to sort out because we had a little bit, little bit of a technical issue. So although Eugene was there, um, he was largely te- communicating with me telepathically, um, and I was, uh, you know, mouthing his questions but uh tessa chessa she's amazing uh her attitude on life is fantastic she has an i think you'd find you could say a pretty incredible athletic ethic and a cool life ethic and i dare you to come away from this conversation uh not feeling charged up so please enjoy Radio. tessa chessa we got there in the end um kia ora, welcome to dirt church radio and, and how are you going? So good. <clears throat> so good. Thanks for having me. Doing super good after Western States. It was wild and crazy. Went to Flagstaff, packed everything up, and then moved to Colorado. So um, it's it's been really good. Settling in, enjoying all things that are currently being offered. So the for the listenership, looking inside how the Dirt Church Radio Sausage is made, we've had a series of technical difficulties so we started the interview and we've actually come through onto another platform so um yeah but after weston i mean you had huge run at Havelina 100 um i mean what was it like to claim that golden ticket you know i know that it's already happened and i know that you know it didn't your, your day didn't go the way that you wanted to but what was the feeling like leading up going, oh my God, I just got a golden ticket to Western States. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think it's kind of fascinating because when I sit here in August and think about that almost coming up to be in a year, right? It was just a year ago almost. Um, it's really kind of fascinating to think about because I'm not where I was there then. But more importantly, I think if you were to shove all those feelings inside of a capsule and get to take it on a daily basis it never goes away, right? Like that, that moment in time and that lead up into it and everything, it it never goes away. And so I think as I could describe it in a way, I would, I'm currently um, enjoying the juice of Havelina and I get to just take it every day. That's, that's such a nice, uh, that it informs us going forward. Hey, it doesn't, it doesn't define us. I mean, What do you think, I mean, just you had a big 2021 in general. What do you think it was that sort of made that click for you? I don't, I, I don't know because it doesn't make, like last year wasn't calmer than it has been this year in the sense of moving um, from Mammoth back to Flagstaff. Um, but if I were to describe like 2022 in a nutshell, I think that time frame in those races with injury and everything, it just worked itself out. And the, the build, um, if you will, from shorter stuff at the beginning part of the year, faster stuff, uh, trying for a long race, recovering again, doing faster stuff to get things moving again to then doing a really long race. 
that build in general, I think if you were to put it on a graph, it probably would look really good and it felt really good. Um, so I think when you have th- those two components together, it, it naturally falls into place. Oh God. I mean, we're taking it back a step. I mean, I understand that growing up, you were a football mad kid or as you call it in the States, soccer. I mean, and where did you get your start into running? Yeah, soccer for forever. I think my first soccer team was like the Cupcakes. <laughs> and my dad coached it for a while. Um, you know, and as you work your way through the, the lifestyle I had, in particular with growing up with the family I had, the father I had, um, for whatever reason, he was, well, not for whatever reason, he he was is an athlete. Uh, he loves adrenaline. He's that kind of human. And I am my father's daughter. And so when you graduate college, you know, after playing soccer and, and going through four years of um, intensities, if you will, right. Cause soccer's are like three days um, as you're building into the season and then getting thrown into the world of, of work. I, for, I graduated college and was like, Oh, I, I want to be a professional soccer player. And then bills and things hit you. And, and I started, I started working. And, you know, you fast forward, you, you put, you put career, um, as like a number one then. And then as you kind of settle into that, you start to, you start to think about other things. A friend of mine, a friend of mine, Butters was basically like, Hey, let's go for a run. And, and I'm like, you mean without a soccer ball? (laughs) She's like, yeah, let's go for a run. And I went for a run with her on pavement. And at the time I was living in North Carolina and we were up in the mountains heading towards Asheville, but there's like, a, there's a, it wasn't quite Asheville. So you're in these woods on paved road road. And she's like, yeah, we're just going to go run for a while. <laughs> and if you will, that was my first four way into, into running. And then when you start to layer in the components of athleticism, adrenaline, that build as a child, you think to yourself like, oh, I think I could maybe like get into this. And by getting into this, I did <laughs> and ran with it, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. What position did you play uh, on the soccer pitch? I, I actually, <laughs> I started all the way in the back and then worked my way up, but I started as a goalie sweeper defender and then ended as a center midfielder. Fantastic. I have a strong foot uh, soccer slash football lineage in my family. My grandfather played for Tottenham Hotspur. Um, yeah, I know. And then the World War II happened and ruined everything. But uh, he, you know, right through his life, coached football, coached my dad, and everything like that. And yeah, so it's it's an incredible it's an incredible game. Yeah, did you play? I no, no, I didn't. I played a bit of um, I played in goal a bit, but I'm not. I wasn't the most athletic kid, so the apple kind of fell. Maybe competitively, the apple didn't fall far from the tree, but with physical attributes, perhaps it did. So, yeah. But, yeah, my father was a goalkeeper. Um, I see. Took a few shots to the head, I think. <laughs> As Me they too. do. I think that's my, you know, what makes my special sauce a little bit more special. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, so from going, so from starting, I mean, what, what the, that sort of timeline, starting going for a run with your friend Butters um, in the woods, I mean, was there a timeline to when you were racing or was it just like, I like this, I'm going to see how it goes. Cause naturally it gives you all of the things that you probably found 
rewarding in your life? Yeah, you know, I dabbled in in like the rock and roll half marathons and marathons and I I like didn't really know anything much about like times and you know, etc. I just uh I just liked being out I liked being out there and then you know, after a while you run pavements probably for a year. Um I moved from North Carolina to California and got um exposed to trails. I lived in um North Bay, so Marin. And Mount Tam and all that stuff was out there. And and while I was out there, I didn't really know much about trail racing. I just knew I was like, well, I'm going to sign up for something. I want to race on, on the trail side of things. And, you know, normally somebody would be like, yeah, yeah, 10 miles. I signed up for AR50, <laughs> um, which is just, a, it's a semi-flat, half road, half trail, 50 mile, 50 mile race. And I had met a friend that was a triathlon. And so he had sort of dabbled in coaching. He kind of helped me, uh, you know, put a plan together. And I remember racing it. I remember having like Chipotle the night before (laughs) and then racing it. And then the next day, the next like two weeks, not being able to walk uh, downstairs. And I unfortunately lived in a basement, but in order to get to that basement, you had to hike probably 50 stairs. And I just remembered, I remember like not being able to walk down them or only being able to walk down them sideways. And I literally said, I'm never doing that again. We've, we've all done it. I mean, Eugene recounts, he came sort of rocketing off a bus in Ponsonby road because his legs, you know, or you're walking across the road or being, yeah, I've, uh, you know, many times people are going, why is that nurse walking so funny? You know, sort of like jerking all over the place. It's terrible. It's, oh, it's, it's so uncomfortable. It's like comical. And you go, what? It's that essence of that first time you do it. Hey, if you were to go back, like you talked about, if you could take that pill every day, or you're taking that pill, that heavily in a hundred pill every day. Also, if you, if you chose to take that pill, hey, you'd do that once. You go, why, why do we do this to ourselves? What's the, what's the, you know, what is that juice worth the squeeze? I guess it is. Hey. You know, having to walk downstairs backwards for a week. It's <laughs> You know, I think if anybody had an answer to that question, the true answer to that question, they would like probably be a scientist or something like that. But um, for me, and I'm sure it's individualistic also in nature. I think I think it's going to vary by individual on how that feels and, and what that means. I think for me, you know, I, I, I draw inspiration from, from working hard and I draw inspiration from the way it makes me like physically and mentally feel right. I think there's a clarity involved in the training process. I think it's rewarding. Um, I think it can be incredibly rewarding at, at the end of it, whether it's racing, whether it's hitting a goal, whether it's just getting outside. I think that that, process is is all the above right you have moments of struggle you have you have um, moments of euphoria you have moments of you check box for me at least and so I think the struggle of working through that process said another way I think how you navigate working through that process is incredibly encouraging and on and on top of that when you get the opportunity to live in, in the places that I have, there is no excuse otherwise, right? It's just too good to not be outside. 
And I mean, you hit the nail on the head. We often talk about the fact that racing seems like an op, not an optional, but it's that cherry on the top, right? And it's almost you get to the point where it's like, I enjoy, I enjoy racing, but I enjoy training more than I enjoy racing for sure. You know, and you see people who are really super goal orientated, but it's that process that's important, right? And it's so trans, it's it's translatable to so many areas in our life. You know, which seems to be the seems to be the prevailing. It's funny, hey, people are sort of just every podcast you listen to. There's some talk about process or something, or you have to do. You know, and it's it seems like we've I don't know if we've lost the wisdom or we're just kind of restating it. But it seems like if you think about I don't know going cutting firewood or something. There's a process to everything that you do. You know, there's there seems to be so much of a process to do something like I really want a cup of tea. I've got to go cut wood and make the tea. You know, and I wonder if that's been lost a little bit you know the process you do goal yeah well i don't maybe we maybe we don't live in our day-to-day maybe we don't live in our day-to-day meaning meaning not everyone potentially has that wherewithal right because there's a there's a bunch of inputs now all the time there's a bunch of exposure now all the time there's alternate universes in in the way of um social media right so i think i think it t- at times it can be maybe more difficult than it once was yeah diff- i mean that's the thing isn't it like we and you think about it from a cultural perspective or a socio-cultural perspective too like you know eugene and i both have we all have teenage kids and it's that sense of we were talking about this morning on our run what was the quote like we've adopted the dark in terms of the internet they were born in it you know like it's a different world and there's so many different struggles within that um not to be like i'm not going to write a manifesto in a cabin in the woods you know like (laughs) the modern world's really cool i like you know relatively low infant mortality and electricity and all those creature comforts and stuff but yeah, you're so right with that terms of um, just how important process is. You li- you said you lived at Mount Tam and Marin. That was when the first mountain bike races were happening with like Gary Fisher and all the clunkers. Were you riding then? Uh, no, no. I moved there because that's somebody told me that it was the birthplace of mountain biking, and that was yeah. really the reason why why I because anyways, I took a job and yeah, I had no idea about. North Bay, East Bay, South Bay, as far as the Bay Area is concerned. And so I had asked a couple friends and was like, hey, what do you think? And they're like, oh, move to Marin. It's the birthplace of mountain biking. And so my and so in my brain, I'm like, well, it's gotta be cool. Yeah. Did you ever do any of those famous like great like what do they call it? Repack Mountain or Repack Hill or something like that? They had to pack, they had to repack the grease in their coaster brakes. That's what they call it because they they burnt the grease out of it because they were going down these gravel roads so quickly. Yeah, no, I just being I'd say just being back from from Western, I just um, started getting into like mountain biking again. Um, I did a little bit of that in Flagstaff, not so much in California, but definitely in Flagstaff. And then since being here in Colorado, downhill mountain biking in the bike park is yeah, spectacular. Um, that that adrenaline the like floating in the not floating i mean but you're like launching into the air you know and then you're pulling onto this bike and you're thinking about body positioning you just you're just again like learning a brand new process um and you're feeling you're feeling like a bunch of different really cool things all at the same time while you learn which is which has been really fun 
So bike park, are you shuttling basically? Say that again? Are you shuttling? Are you getting a shuttle? Are you getting oh, a chairlift? Yeah, yeah, for a downhill. I, I mean, I have I have um, both a gravel bike and a, and a mountain bike. And so it just depends on the day. But recently I've been into that <laughs> that feeling a little bit. So um, I've been shuttling or I guess taking the gondola up and then uh, hauling yeah, right. down. Cool. It seems like you uh, – it's so – in that space that pushing that envelope is something that's attractive, right? Um, yeah. And feeling, feeling like what it makes you think and feel through the, through, through it. Um, it's, yeah, it's like full gas. It's a lot of like full gas and, and in life in general, um, in life in general. Um, I think that, I think that, that for me, that, that feeling it, mainly like just feeling like you're awake and alive right when you wake up and, and, and being pretty grateful for that is pretty exciting. And so I feel like it's important to um, take advantage of that on the day to day. And I, I was watching this thing last night that said, um, do one thing a day that scares you. And it kind of, it resonated in a pretty beautiful way in the sense that, um, for me, the way I think about it, not so much that statement per se, but just in general is, is I want to, I want to feel alive every day. Yeah. Being alive is really cool. Like, and this sounds like such, again, it sounds such a cliche thing, right? Like do, do one thing every day that scares you. Sounds like something on a Pinterest board uh, potentially. And, and being alive is really cool, but it is, isn't it? It's a really, if you sit down and obviously there's, there's privilege involved in that and there's a recognition of privilege and a recognition of, of the fact that we get to do these cool things. But yeah, I was sitting down last night, patting my dog. I was like, man, being alive is really cool. Like it's a really cool, I like being alive, you know, like. <laughs> And it, it's a process as much as anything else. You know, we're born, we live, we die. But I'm quite enjoying this part of it, you know. Me too. And and, and you're so right, like recognizing that. And and I guess how do we build those that gratitude or how do we build it is, is you – it's like anything. You train it, right? You get up and you 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 practice it. And, you, and it's hard work though, right? Like it's a tough time at the moment for everyone. And it's been a tough time and it probably will continue to be a tough time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, I think it's, I think it's reality and I think that we get to, well, and I don't know how it is in New Zealand, right? I know that you guys, you guys dealt with it in a, in a different way than, than I'm sure we have in the United States, but I think there's, you know, you can split the board. You can think about, you can choose to think about it as, as, um, uh, I only have this amount in my cup, or you can choose to think about it as I have this amount in my mm-hmm. cup. And so, and so, um, don't get me wrong when all, when it all came down originally, um, it, it, it was, you know, it can be incredibly stressful and have a ton of anxiety. I think at this point, um, for me personally, when I think about just reality and the way things are, um, I just try and move through it. Um, like walk through it, you know, sometimes jog through it on days, but um, I just try and walk through it. And uh, if it, if there's something specifically that is bugging me or whatnot, I, I try and figure out why. Yeah. I think it's that, that sense of, you know, like the last couple of years of, of you've really gone through stages. And I guess where we're at is we're about probably, I don't know, six months to a year behind 
everyone else in terms of like, you know, we didn't have COVID for a long time and now we've got a lot of it, you know, and, and our uh, approach to it's changed and our approach to, you know, how we, how we manage it. And, and you're right. It's, it's very much sort of a part of people's lives and it's a, uh, yeah, it's a, uh, but you're right, isn't it? It's that choice of how you deal with what you have and how you deal with sort of, you know, what you're doing. But, can we pivot to your dog? Because <laughs> we're super, we're super into dogs. Uh, super into dogs. Uh, I mean, where we first like got the, um, got the 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 idea to you know reach out to you was through the Iron Far article um, when you were in your in your van. I mean, how's Sugar Valour doing? She's right underneath this table right now, and she I think just heard you say her name, so she like. <laughs> Oh, she has decided to come out from underneath the table. <laughs> um, she's amazing. Uh, she's like, okay, now I got to show you that. Oh, I thought I had four blankets folded and I thought for a second she was going to um, lay her whole, her whole entire body on top of it. But let's see. Oh. Um, but anyways, so... <laughs> You know, the way I can best describe Sugar Velour is she's daily, she's daily inspiration. And what I mean by that, to give you an example, <laughs> um, she got hit with, she, she, we've been working on training her because here in Colorado, specifically in the winter, I would like for her to come with us on some ski, ski and snowboarding adventures. And right now she has a tendency to go a little too far. And I just, I wouldn't want her to do anything weird with snow. So we've, I've been working on it. We, my um, boyfriend and I have been working on it. And so anyways, we're on this path, right? It's a paved freaking path. It's on your way to Leadville. It's nothing crazy. It's, it's, it's you know, a little bit of uphill. And I'm starting to like get back to running a little bit. And so anyways, I stopped to go to the bathroom and I had seen her the entire run, like 25 feet away, right? Not too far. I go to the bathroom. I come, I like turn around and we're starting, we're starting to head back. And the two minutes that I'm peeing in the bushes, she like bolts by and we're like back to running and she starts shaking her head. And I'm like, what? what's going on? You know, she have a tick in her ear. She just was in water, whatever. So then I have her turn around and she starts running towards me. She has like 12 porcupine quills in her chin. And I don't, I've never dealt with porcupine quills before in Arizona. It's like rattlesnakes, right? So what porcupines are to Colorado is what rattlesnakes are to freaking Arizona. And so anyways, I, start pulling them out as best as I can on this path. And she's, she has three left. And so I get back and I'm like, uh, and we walk in and my, my um, boyfriend just got back from a crazy mountain bike day. And I'm like, Hey, don't touch her. She's got porcupine quills in her. And I'm like, but I need your help because I can't get them out. And so we get these pair of needle nose pliers and sugar's maybe like 50, 55 pounds, but both, Drew and I cannot hold her down. And so she's, she's got three of these left and I'm got these freaking needle nose pliers and I'm like, just like trying to magician in there. And I like get out two. And then she has one that's, that's pretty wedged in there. It had like maybe this much of it showing. And I, and we, we're holding her down and I pull it and I swear that it's like a hook, like a pirate's hook. It had, it had like gone 
all the way in her now. And anyways, we got them all out. But long story boring, I can't, I, I, I can't imagine what that would feel like. And the crazy thing about porcupine quills is if you don't get them out, uh, they continue to embed. But when I think about Sugar Velour's life from baby to now, she'll be two in August. She's been attacked by coyotes. She's had porcupine quills. She's <laughs> like sliced her elbow chasing a rabbit. She got butt punctured in mammoth by some sharp rock. And I'm trying to think if there's, if there's like, been, she's been bit by a dog in the face. And so when I think about just basically her fascinating life over these two years, I think to myself, like, my God, she's living the best life. And she maybe has at least 20 of them still left in her. And I think to myself, well, if she gets up and got smashed by a porcupine yesterday, then you can like go jog <laughs> or like, whatever right go go on your bike she wakes up and it's a brand new day oh, and i find that super inspiring yeah and the best day of her life too like you know oh, yeah. i was just i'm just ready to get after it like yeah. it's funny that about it when you've we've uh, we've got an australian working kelpie right so like a red dog a cattle dog part they, they're bred from dingoes and again he's probably yeah he'd be 40 pounds 40 45 pounds and he had to get a procedure at the vet, which he didn't enjoy. And they're like, you need to hold him down. You look like you're a strong, I couldn't hold that dog. You know, you think about an animal. He didn't, you know, didn't understand what was happening, wasn't enjoying the process. But then again, just pivots back around to like, oh, you're here. It's cool. This is a good day. Yeah. Give me some chicken. Yeah. I want some chicken. Yeah. That's for sure. Give me some chicken. Yeah. So it's a good, it's a good, I mean, so rat, what a, Wildlife in Colorado sounds hectic. You've got porcupines and, I mean, we were talking before that we've got the pecker-pecker, so a tiny little bat that only comes out at night and generally just leaves you alone, um, and then birds. You guys have got porcupines, snakes, what else, bears? Um, yeah, Colorado's got it all. I mean, I'm pretty sure Colorado has bears and moose and um, elk and deer and rabbits. I mean, it's it's – it's not, I wouldn't say it's as intense as like a Montana um, because they have like grizzly bears and whatnot, but <clears throat> maybe Colorado does too. I should not quote, don't quote me. Are they big rabbits? Like, yeah, well, they sounded like one of those things wasn't quite like the other. You were like bear, elk, moose, rabbits. They were just. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I just was going through the buffet. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's, I mean, your foot, I mean, how is that going? How is your – so what What actually happened at Western States? Did you go into it with an injury or it was an accident? No, I knew. Um, I knew back in April um, that some, something was off. Uh, yeah, I knew back in April something was off. And then when you think about – I don't want to say the weight of Western States, but they don't have a – they don't have a, like, medical deferral unless you're pregnant. Everything you have to just – that's it. So you have to requalify or obviously get into the lottery and, and, you know, qualifying while attainable is a lot. It's just, it's just a lot of all, all the things, mental, physical, spiritual investment. Um, <clears throat> so I knew back in April that things, that things, something was up. And so I'm not sure if you're familiar with the sesamoid complex of the foot. You have two pea-sized bones. They're embedded within a tendon plus surrounded by fascia. When that area um, gets spicy or, and or broken, 
and or tendony, all those, th- you know, all of it um, inflamed. It's not, it's not like turnkey, right? It's, it's just not, um, it's a lot of tendon like things um, plus bones. So, so for me, I, I either had a bone bruise, um, a pretty aggressive bone bruise, or I had a, bo- a broken sesamoid back in April with, they say, a plantar plate um, tendon tear. So all that kind of took place. And, <clears throat> and then as you know, and then as again, you're trying to figure out what you, what you do um, thinking about that race in June. Um, I, I completely shut it down. I was on the bike for a month, started hiking a little bit and then, you know, tried running again. And it's just a slow monotonous injury. And so when Western States rolled around, being that you go through literally everything that I had just mentioned as far as getting that golden ticket, you have, you have a full, your investment is full. Um, for, and for me, that means like all in mental, physical, spiritual, like I, I, when you try and attain a golden ticket, it's, you have to be in my opinion. And so, and so since you had, since I had done that, it was not an option to not show up. It was not an option to, to um, not be involved within that race. I didn't, not want to crawl under a rock and, um, you know, hibernate, if you will, even though navigating that process, you know, it it can, was really difficult. Um, and so, and so at the end of the day, I think what, what was really important for that, for me was this idea to show up as like a human and to like show up as Tessa and to, to represent not only the brands that support me, you know, craft and buff and, um, spring dry max, all these really beautiful companies, lucky poles. It was more important to show up and represent myself. And I think for some, I think for the majority, they, I think the majority gets it. Um, I think there are the occasional few that, um, that may, may continue to scratch their head. I don't know. Um, but, I can walk away from that entire experience and, um, and feel really good about it. And, and think about this idea that, you know, somebody who loves that whole process of that build and not being able to do that, you know, was just like, ah, hell, well, hell. (laughs) So, um, so anyways, long story, I just wanted to represent the best human I could be given the adversity that, was thrown um my way and catch it yeah i mean you've got to roll the dice right as well it seems like it's the antithesis of i I don't know if you found this when you start thinking about the sport when you start getting into the sport and you see professional runners elite runners will drop very quickly if one thing goes wrong or if they they're not having a good race and they're thinking you know two three ahead but it seems like you're turning up knowing that you were hurt it's, it's, it flips that whole thing on its head, eh? Like it's, uh, it, it's. I mean, yeah, it's 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 beautiful. It really is. And yeah, it got- should hopefully it should hopefully you know because I think when I have talked to some of the elites, um, humans who who you sponsor whatnot, but that mindset of what those three letters mean on some electronic platform that rates you and ranks you. Uh, but for those three little words, uh, letters, excuse me, DNF or DNS or DNF more, you know, did not finish. 
for whatever reason, that weight for people, some people in particular, um, you know, can be heavy and feel like a lot. And I thought, I thought about it as a very different, you know, that is non-defining. Like that should be very, not, that should be the last thing in my opinion, on your radar. That should be incredibly non-defining more importantly, you know, walking through mud and wearing it in a, wearing it in a, in a way that um, you want to and wearing it in a way that um, is representative, I think is what can define you as a human. And, and I think that's really, can be really exciting. And I think what I would say to a lot of people is, is that sport is sport um, and, and shit happens. And, you know, we, we put a lot of emphasis on it and don't get me wrong. I do too. Um, but, but it's, but some of the extracurricular bullshit is non-defining. Game over. (laughs) (laughs) Chip that into a stone tablet. That was brilliant. Um, and do you have a, I mean, do you have a timeline in terms of your recovery? Again, that's a, that's another pr- potentially a pressure thing, isn't it? Like you, you, you're hurt and now you have to get well because you have to do races and junk. Um, are you thinking about, do you have a, do you have a ballpark or you just, you'll know when you'll know? Well, you know, I'm, I, I have Cape Town, um, on the radar. I actually haven't signed up for it. Um, I have not signed up for it yet. I actually, while I was running today, I thought, you know, I, the original idea was the 100 K distance. And while I ran today, I thought, you know, the 50 K maybe just maybe while it's not a golden ticket, uh, 100 K and it's not the, you know, premier race of, of Cape town, 50, the 50 K may be where I'm, where I'm at or where I would hope or, and, or like to be at. Um, and so, um, and so I haven't signed up for it yet. And the reason for that is, is because it's just one day at a time and there's, there, there's some treatments that I've been getting and it's called ESWT electric, electric shockwave therapy. Um, it's, it's a different, there's a couple different ones out there. Um, as far as like, I think it's EPAT and a couple other things, but this ESWT has been shown for this, um, complex area between three to five sessions to show some significant improvement. And I'm two sessions in and while the predominant um, modality of my training right now is, is the bike. I'm starting, um, I'm still, I'm able to get in some shorter distances and I'm just literally testing, um, the area to see if the foot can take it. And it's been slow. Um, and it's been incredibly methodical and somewhat boring, um, as far as flat runs, but every day that I get to have a little bit less pain, that's a good day. Yeah. That is a good day. And I guess that's, you just, you know, you, you talk about the, co- we exist in that context. How cool would going to run a 50K in Cape Town be? You know. I love UTCT, um, Ultra Trail Cape Town, puts on a really special event. Cape Town in general is an incredibly um, special area um, for me. I really love South Africa in general. And so to be able to get the opportunity to go out there and, and, represent myself and represent these brands even at a 50k distance is really special we're a little bit fragile about the south africa we just got beaten by the south africans in the rugby this morning uh and and and, and new zealand we take our rugby really seriously i bet i, I 
I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and uh, we don't like losing. Um, but the South African, fantastic. They're fantastic team, and what a what a place too. Like the birthplace of comrades. The both, you know, all that stuff. Incredible. One of the what? Yeah, amazing. One of the other things that um drew us to you was you know you, you're based in Colorado now, but you were in and out of a van for quite a while. What was that process like? I, you know, I, before, when we first, when I first left Flagstaff to move to Mammoth, we were in the van for about three months and the van is the van. First of all, the van that I have to be very clear is like a wheel apartment. Um, it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a toilet and it, it currently doesn't have a working shower, but it has a queen size bed. It has a kitchen. So let's be honest. It's like, it's a privileged, uh, oh, yeah, yeah on wheels but but it's special in the way that you 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 roll up you park you open the door you fling open the door and the world is just giving you a really big hug and smiling back at you because you drove this thing to you know a pass or you drove this thing to a really special area and oh by the way you get to wake up and drink your coffee there the next day and go on a go on a run or hike or bike or 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 just sit there and take it all in the choice is yours and so the van that van um idea is really beautiful i think i think when you pull back the covers of the van it can also um you have to be pretty thoughtful um you know when you think about yourself and the impacts in all the ways. So I think that's something important that people who are thinking about jumping in a van, the, the, the daily, uh, (laughs) the daily porcelain runs, the, the, the daily things that you are comfortable with those go, those are different than those are just going to feel different. And I think that that's very important for those mm-hmm. folks that are like thinking about just like jumping into it. And by all means, I think, if, I think if you're a thoughtful human, it'll be absolutely amazing. Um, I just think it's important to maybe recognize that um, we do have some impact. Definitely. And that's the, what the activities of daily life is the polite way to <laughs> that sort of stuff, is it, isn't it? But that's the thing you, you think about, do we exist within a system or do we kind of just stamp on something like, yeah, cool. You drove your van to this nice pass and you acted like a dickhead and, you know, crapped on the road and lit a big fire or whatever, you know, like whatever you did and then chucked your can of, you know, we, we find like, what do we call We call them bogans here. And, uh, so we, we find cans, bogan juice, like cans of crushed up cans of, uh, ready to drink bourbon and cola is the seem to be the predominant uh, juice fuel of the riverhead bogan like up around the forest just people just t- go for a walk or they'll be on their four by four and just chuck them out the window and stuff like that and you just think like really did you have to do that bogans yeah so mullets we got mullets generally yeah, like <laughs> we got some we got some of that we definitely got some of that um and I guess now, so the, the van is, is it in mothballs or just, you know, you, you're just waiting for your opportunity to, to take it out on the road again? No, no, no. Oh, no. I'm about, when we get done with this, I'm going to drive it down to Trestles um, with Suge, meet up with some friends, camp overnight, wake up in the morning, hit Trestles downhill for hopefully five, six hours. And then it's about an hour and a half away and then drive back up. 
So the van, while I while living in it um, isn't current right now, the, as far as that is concerned, it still gets used, I'd say, weekly. That's epic. Oh, what a cool... Yeah, it's special. Yeah. Um, so Cape Town, I mean, how many times have you... Have you done that race before? Is it something that you, you're, but you've been to South Africa and you're 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 into the place, so just a magic time. Yeah. So I was I was um, I was there with I was there with Cody Reed, and he was racing the 100k. I think he won that one, but I was there with him, and then uh, and then met um, Maddie, uh, and once once. Once he became like a really good friend of ours. And, uh, you know, since then, Cody and I have parted ways, but that's, that was the four way into South Africa. And when you're there for two weeks, you just get, you know, a taste of it. And so, and so the idea would be to go back for the full month of November or half of November, half of December, kind of get out of the shoulderish season of the snow here. And then, be there, serve, run, etc., and then come back when the snow is really good. Nice. Can you? This is a, a question for someone who lives at sea level, as I do, as Eugene does. Um, what's a shoulder season? I hear that a lot, and I'm like, we don't have. I'm sure we don't have them here, or maybe we do. I don't know. I've never heard. What What is a shoulder season? So we live at 9,600 feet. And so we're up, we're up pretty high and we live currently just like right off this, um, right off the ski and copper. And the shoulder season is when you have snow melt and the trails are sort of starting to open, but they're real muddy. And, and so it's a pain in the ass. (laughs) Um, it can just be, well, maybe annoying. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that per se, because the beauty behind shoulder season is nobody is in summit County because they're like, Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, it's greasy, right. It's, it's muddy. It's, 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 et cetera. But the shoulder season is as things are thawing out and you start to have access, um, and you start to get access back. And I guess as well, thinking about impact, you know, you were, you were talking about that. That's a perfect time potentially if the trails are overrided to just do some real damage, eh? Cause they're muddy and they're, you know, and you get heaps of human beings on them. They can really kind of, you, you can mess up trails pretty easily. So it's probably quite a nice thing that there aren't too many people up there jacking up. You, you're at nine, did you say 9,700 feet? Is that? Nine, yeah, 9,600. 9,600. I don't know if you see my watch. We're I'm at minus ten meters, minus <laughs> so minus thirty feet for, for in your money. It's it's uh, yeah. We live down by. We live on a river. Like if I wanted to jump, if I wanted to get to Eugene's house, probably the most efficient way is wait for the tide, run down the, to the bottom of my garden, jump in a tire tube, and just float to his house. It's That's a, crazy. Yeah. That's like Louisiana. Louisiana here is a little bit underwater. I mean, we're not under, it's not like we've got dikes and stuff, like levees and stuff like that. Like we're not in danger of that. It's just, we live, you know, by a river. So it's, it's not too bad. Uh, writing's also a part of your life. We were talking about that before. I mean, how does, does that process dovetail with the process of training? Is it something that you just do for recreation or is it something that you work towards? <laughs> um, not, not taught. 
I have a, a friend, my, but, my friend Butters gave me a book back when I lived in North Carolina to, to, to think about writing. I'm, in, I'm inspired by some really great human beings that are way amazing writers. Um, I think we had spoke about Steph Pusey. Her, her book is going to be, it's coming out, um, I think next summer and it's going to be absolutely amazing. I cannot wait to read it, but I think, I think those humans draw inspiration. And for, I think for a while I was using, you know, Instagram and social media as that, as that platform. And I think on my phone, I have quite a few just like notes of, you know, like Tessa liners, Tessa one liners or Tessa just like, I don't want to call them buckets of wisdom because I don't, I, I don't think they're wisdom. I just, they're like buckets of life. And so, um, I, I have, I started that on my, on my phone. I just think at this point, if I wanted to be a little bit more serious about it, I I would, I need to start like either typing it or writing it out. I think that right now there's just time, right? Time is, time is our most precious, uh, not gemstone, but it's our, it's our most precious thing. Um, yeah, one in which you can't put in a jar. And so and so I think when I think about time and how I want to spend it and even though I have more time um since I'm not since I'm not running as much I have just <laughs> I've been sp- I feel like right now I've been spending my time making art in the kitchen. And that's been really um fun, you know, yeah. between between baking and literally like throwing taking things out of the kitchen. And, and more importantly, I, you know, I have a stack of cookbooks off to my right here and in by all means, like I go and I buy the ingredients and I follow the recipe and stuff like that. But I think what's the more exciting about it is when you're, when you have just random bare minimums in the fridge and then you create something and that becomes an art. And I think because I do travel for work, when I do come home, I'm like, I can't wait to, I can't wait to see what I'm like, what ingredients I'm using, but then being able to like take all that and have that nourishment of, of being able to literally say, okay, this has this, 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 and this, and this, and like, wow, those flavors. It's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Your mate Butters is, you know, she's cracking on the writing, the running. She seems like, you know, quite the inspirational friend. Yeah. Mary Butterworth is her, is her, made a name i haven't she's out of florida now and i talked to her on occasion um she got married had kids all that jazz but then i moved across the country so um yeah she's she was she was uh, she is my foray into to a lot of things and i think what i find more exciting as as um as i've moved through life is is this idea of being able to have a couple of really good close friends on one hand, you know, mm-hmm. and while they don't all live in Colorado and yeah, sure. They're, you know, I can't call them up and have a beer with them down the road or, you know, have a coffee with them down the road. They have created so much influence in a moment of time that was so pivotal that they may not even know it, but I often, I often find that really cool because if you were to ask, you know, if you do an experiment and let's take, you know, your top five friends or whatnot, or or just have your three friends or whatever. And you ask them about some of the people within their lives, lives, you know, that, that is really cool because they may not even know it right next thing, you know, they're starting to spew out all these like really beautiful things about Mm -hmm. their friend and and whatnot. So I always find that 
I thought it was great. We were we were teeing this up, right? We were teeing this this conversation up, and you said to me, you were like, "Just give me a call or give me a text." Instagram sucks, and that was such a great. You know, you're talking about that sort of five friends, and I think about it again, sort of a long story. My wife's best friend, who she one of her best friends, she hasn't seen for probably we haven't seen her for about ten years. She's been in Australia. You know, she came to stay the other day and, and literally walked into the house, and it was like. She was on the couch. I was like, hey, George. She's like, hey, Matt. You know, that was – I haven't seen her for 10 years. And, yes. and, and it was but just no – no time passes. Yeah, no time passes at all. There wasn't a big emotional reunion and tears or anything. It was like, you know, do you want to get a beer? Yes, I do. That that was so cool. Um, And you said that thing, Instagram sucks. And it kind of rules and it sucks at the same time, isn't it? Because it's that you've got 800, 900, 1,000, a million followers – you've got 2 million followers. What does it mean? You know, like what is it actually, again, how many genuine or how many would you call your friend out of that amount of people? Who's got the bandwidth for that many friends? Yeah. Yeah. I think it can have value. As you said, I think it can have value for that connectivity in the sense of a, of a electronic um, pen pal who, who, you know, has, who has that distance, but I would also, I would also throw out there that that person who lives in Florida, i.e. Mary Butters, you know, Mary Butterworth, I can just as easily text her. And, and what I, what I have been doing recently is, is like my really good friend, Danny, that lives in Mammoth. I, I'll like text her and like, Hey girl, how's it going? Da, 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 da. And then I'll, I'll send like mini life updates, semicolon, and then seven pictures within the month that are on my phone. And, and I think that is like, Hey, mini life download. I haven't talked to you on the phone. We've been texting a little bit, but Hey, here's some like, here's some like life updates via, via visual, which is what Instagram is, but you can just as easily do it, you know, via text message and p- people are quickly like, oh, wow, like, that's, aw- you know, that's awesome. And so while, while Instagram is Instagram, um, I don't, I don't want to be on it. And I find myself when people reach out and I'm totally like, okay, with people reaching out and all that jazz, I just, as you found out, am going to be very quick to be like, yo, text me or call me <laughs> because I don't want to spend, t- I don't want to spend time on this. Platform. Yeah, that was effective. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a cool connection. Look, Tessa, it's your weekend. You've been so generous with us. You've been, uh, you've been tolerant and, and forgiving of our technical <laughs> ineptitude, and I'm desperate for you to go and send it uh, with your dog on those downhill trails. But we're going to ask you one question, and we ask one question of everyone who comes on Dirt Church Radio, and that's Tessa Chessa. What's been your greatest run ever? Wow. That's a, that's a, that's a great, that's a great question. That is a great question. And I, I don't know if I could put one run into a capsule and say, this was by far my greatest run. And the reason for that, and I'll give you, and I'll give you though an answer. Um, the reason for that is, is because obviously not every freaking run is special and by all means, not every run, you know, there, I like to call if it fits, it sits on runs where you're like sitting down seven times. And I've definitely been there. Um, but, but 
there was one semi-momentous run that I did by myself. And I think I just got the van and I drove it to like, not, not Grand Canyon is in the park, but just outside of it. And I had drove it to the Grand Canyon and I had slept in the van, didn't get any freaking sleep and woke up the next morning at like five 30 ish, maybe six ish to go run rim to rim to rim. And I woke up, I drank my coffee. I got in that van. I drove to, um, South Kaibab ran early, but not early enough for a headlamp. For those of you who <laughs> are not early morning humans, neither am I. Ran rim to rim to rim, drove, uh, finished it, had some random tourist literally like take my picture, <laughs> just like being like, well, here we go. We did it. Got in the van, drove, drove back to Flagstaff and <laughs> just thought like, damn, you're kind of badass. Just cause like, <laughs> Never true I don't even think there's, yeah, yeah. I don't even think there's even a need to explain. I think that was, I think that run uh, opened up some ideas and thoughts and doors on pushing things. Fantastic. Look, Tessa, thank you so much. We wish you all the best in your recovery. And I mean, being alive rules and, and, and enjoy it. So great. To, it's so great to have had the chance to talk to you. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. I think, you know, when you're saying if she there's a there's a surfeit of like motivational books isn't there but if you published a book that said at least you don't have porcupine quills in your face um you know you'd get a following pretty quickly that that poor dog she's been through a lot (laughs) and still just as stoked it would appear on on life as you know as we'll get out so look thanks tessa um you know, we wish you the very best for your recovery with your foot and, and just keep charging. So thank you very much for tuning in. We're on social media at Dirt Church Radio. Email at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. You can find us on all the podcast platforms. Like and subscribe if you fancy, and you can download direct from the website, which is dirtchurchradio.com. Don't forget to write in with your greatest run ever. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, if you want some inspiration, go and read them on the website too, which is dirtchurchradio.com. Thanks to our sponsors, Scott Running, Further Faster, and Cielli. Thank you to our Patreon patrons and Wild Things. Uh, thank you to Currens NZ, and thank you to our editor, Kieran. Stay tuned next week. We've got another great show lined up. Hey, Kona. Thanks, Rippy. <laughs> <laughs>